First thing I want to do is to give you an exciting announcement, um, an announcement that I'm um, not positive about yet, but, but I believe that we are going to have a baptism next Sunday. So um, is, is that okay for me to announce? Okay, so uh, Miss Josie, a part of our congregation, has decided to be baptized. So that's going to be next Sunday, and I want you to be praying for her, and let's rejoice that the Lord has put this on her heart. So, uh, be present for that experience. Um, also, I want to tell you about the progress on our um, building project. If you haven't been by our building place yet, then um, drive by it and check it out. We have a slab there now, and um, it, it's uh, equipped with radiant heating, and it's ready to go. So, um, also, I've... Uh, drew up on paint, again, a, um, a thermometer, and I put some numbers in here. And I'm not a mathematician or a statistical type of a person, but uh, here it is. Um, we now currently, we do not have 241,000. We actually have 251,000 um, in our building fund. Um, so what this looks like is that uh, you can see how much a concrete footing cost. It was, it was about uh, 40... 40,000, and um, then the slab with radiant heat, which is where we are physically in our building plan, that was about 100,000, and, and um, the top of the red there is at um, 250,000. Well, it needs to be bumped up a little bit because that's updated. So that's how much money that we have in our uh, building fund right now. Now, um, what, what we have spent is uh, at the 200,000 mark. So right now, what we have spent, what we will have in about two weeks, the building's going to go up on this coming Tuesday. It will be started. So in, in about two weeks from this week, we will have a building with no interior. So then we will still have a little bit of a margin um, there to spend, maybe put in some, and I just estimated maybe restrooms will be the next thing. Pro probably not, um, but uh, because I don't know how these things go. Um, but... Uh, that's just an idea of where we're going. Probably we'll need about $350,000, which sounds like a whole bunch of money, but probably need that to get the whole thing um, completed. But look what we've done so far. $250,000? Wow. And we are about to have a building erected that we can uh, worship in. And I am excited about that. All all of that, all of this, uh, the money that we're raising, the, the prayer that we're offering up, and the time that we're spending building this building, all of this to share hope with our community through love and service by proclaiming the Word of God, which is what I am about to do for you this morning um, after we pray. So let's pray. Lord, we ask your blessing right now on this service. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we study your word and as we uh, dive into your will for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so, Psalms chapter 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, 
I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its robes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good He is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and He saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in You, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to You, These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all He has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. Now that was a lot of Scripture there. The 116th Psalm. But I want to focus on one verse in the middle of that Psalm. Verse 10. I believed... In you, so I said. Now I focus this, I focus your attention on this verse because the whole chapter pivots around this one verse. The psalmist, the fellow who wrote this chapter, these words, is most likely David, and he's in a lot of trouble, and he's well aware of it. Some scholars say that David wrote this verse when he was hiding from King Saul in the back of the cave. Now let me paint the picture for you. This comes from 1 Samuel chapter 23 and 24. The Philistines, also known as the bad guys, are terrorizing a town that wasn't able to defend themselves The Philistines were stealing their grain, their food, their livelihood. And David, being a man after God's own heart, wanted to stop the Philistines, so he asked God, should I go and attack them? I may not have the force or the the amount of soldiers that I need, but should I go and do it? And God says, yes, go and save the town. And so David does. As you can imagine, this gets the attention of everyone in the countryside. All eyes on what is happening. Now King Saul, he's out to kill David. He is threatened by David because David threatens to take over his kingship. And he doesn't like that idea. Saul doesn't. He he's, wants to stop it anyway that he can. So, now he knows exactly where David is. David's not laying low. He saved the town against the Philistines and Saul goes after David. He's hot on his trail. Now Saul has 3,000 elite troops and David probably has less than 600. He took 600 with him to save the town from the Philistines and so he probably has less than that and David now goes into the wilderness of Engedi. Saul and his army 
gets close to David, close enough that there in the wilderness of Engedi, David goes into a cave to hide. Probably his men are dispersed there throughout the rock cliffs and the, the different caves, and they tuck themselves into the mountain there to hide from Saul because he's right there. And it's not like David can pull out his LED mag light and try to find the back way out of the cave. Stuck. A dead end. His only option was to sit in the back of this cave and wait and hope that Saul doesn't come into the cave and look for him. So here David is in the back of the cave, waiting and hoping. And just then, the silhouette of a man darkens the mouth of the cave. He's wearing the armor and robe of a king. Specifically, the king who is hunting David. Now maybe David was writing these words of the psalm that I read to you, Psalm 116. Maybe he was writing those words down at that very time, or maybe he recorded them later when he recalled the experience. These words. Death has wrapped its robes, its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtake me, and I see only trouble and sorrow Lord, I believe in you, so I say I am deeply troubled. In my anxiety, I cry out to you. Now, most of us probably don't know what that feels like. To have someone hunt you down, especially a king with all of his power and resources, to have him hunt you down and find you and trap you. What would you do? What would you do in that situation? Now, I know some of you are thinking, uh, boy, if I was there in the back of that cave, if I was there, I'd grab a big old rock and I'd take care of Saul right then and there. If you're like, uh, if you're like my boy Flint, he's probably thinking, boy, if I was there, I'd sneak up behind him, I'd put him in a chokehold, and I'd ride off into the sunset on my mini bike. But the thing is, you weren't there. David was. And he tells us exactly what he did. I believed in you. So I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. Please, Lord, save me. David is directly quoted by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul says, But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Listen, folks, maybe you feel like you're at the dead end right now. Like there is no way out. And you see only trouble and sorrow and death and destruction. Probably for us here today, the silhouette that darkens the cave opening 
is something like anxiety caused by the direction that our country is going in. Or maybe it's pride or shame or lust or addiction. Whatever it is that is coming after you and has you feeling trapped like you're at the dead end, Paul says, you've got to have faith like David. You know what David did with that faith? He spoke to God about his fears. Paul tells us what else to do with our faith when he quotes David. He says, preach the good news. There's enough bad news already. Man, I hate bad news. Who doesn't hate bad news? Bad news is darkness. But God says that there can be light in the darkness. And God says that the light shines in the darkness and that the darkness can never extinguish it. David had faith to speak to God in the shadow of death. Paul tells us to speak to God and to speak the good news to others even in this dark world. So how do we effectively and courageously shine the light in this dark world? Here's three ways to light up the darkness from my new favorite chapter of the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the first point is to reject shameful deeds and underhanded methods. Reject shameful deeds and underhanded methods. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or to distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. You know what this means? This means no tricking, no cheating. Oh, this is, this is shameful deeds and underhanded methods, and we see it every day, every day in our society, in, a, in the lives that we live. We shouldn't be a part of that. We shouldn't use that as one of our methods. No cheating. You know the old, uh, the old show where there were there was uh, three fellas and they're black and white, and um, three stooges. That's it, right? And so uh, one, you know, they're they're getting ready to do a fighting match, and one says there'll be none of this, and there'll be none of this, and none of this, and d- does all that to him, you know, just to make sure that there's going to be no cheating. And by the time that he's Um, done all that, the one guy is half beat up already. No cheating. No tricking. None of the shameful deeds and underhanded methods. Listen, it's already being used by the enemy. And it's evil and it's no good. We cannot show light by doing that. There's no distorting, by the way. No distorting. You know, out and out cheating, maybe we can understand Tricking, we, we won't do any of that. But distortion, 
The verse says, no distorting the Word of God. Ooh, some Christians seem to be doing that. Not, not seem to be. They are doing that. They're distorting the Word of God. Well, I know the Bible says that uh, marriage is between one man and one woman, but today's a different day, and then they distort the Word of God. And I could go on and on. No distorting, especially God's Word. We speak the truth. You know, people can tell if you are a genuine believer in Jesus or not. They can tell. We should tell the truth before God because all who are honest know this. People can sniff out a fake. And you, if you are a fake Christian, it will be evident. Speak the truth. One of my, my favorite chapters in the Bible, not my favorite because this week it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. One of my other favorites is Psalms chapter 101. I think this should be a psalm that all of us should form our lives to. It says, I will sing of your love and justice. Lord, I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and to free the city of the Lord from their grip. The first way to light up the darkness is to ferret out the wicked as our daily task, to reject shameful deeds and underhanded methods. The second way from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is don't preach about yourself. Don't preach about yourself. Verse 5, you see, don't go around preaching about ourselves. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves, we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, don't go preaching about yourself. That doesn't mean you don't tell testimonies, you don't give your testimony, or you don't share your experience with others because that's a powerful tool that we can use to win people for the Lord. But bragging is not a good way to do it. As a matter of fact, it's the wrong way and will win the wrong, will bring out the... Uh, the <coughs> The wrong objective. Don't preach about yourself. Jesus is the good news. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31 says, We boast in Him. If you want to boast about anything, 
boasts only about the Lord. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, The glory is His, where everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. Not glory to us. Not uh, lift ourselves up and put ourselves on the glory pedestal and preach about ourselves and win people that way. No. We preach about the Lord. We tell others and lift Him up because He brings light in the darkness. And this verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it mentions another word. Servants. We ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. None of us probably like the idea of being a servant. It's just, just the truth. Servant doesn't sound that appealing. That's probably the biggest problem with our economy now. Everyone wants to work for themselves or not work at all. And I, I get it. Nobody likes the idea of a boss. At least until there's a problem. And then people want someone to take the blame. Man, I remember... Uh, one time when, when I was working as a CNC uh, machine tech uh, at B&W Trailer Hitches and we were really behind on orders, <clears throat> well, this, there was this one particular uh, machine and I think, I think it was called Mazak 211. And it, that particular machine at that time was making the most important part to the product that we needed most for the orders, and it went down. It quit working. My supervisor, he gave me orders to fix it. He put me on the job, and boy, I kept trying, and I worked on it, and, and I would try one thing after another, replace things, and I, I wasn't getting it. And there was a ten thousands, tens of thousands of dollars lost every hour that that machine was down, and on the second day that I was working on this machine, I happened to be walking by my supervisor's office during break time, and the plant manager was in there letting my supervisor have it about something. <clears throat> I thought, what in the world could he be yelling at my supervisor about? And then I heard him say, if you don't get Mazak 211 fixed, thought, Ooh. so I snuck out of the break room and didn't take that break and worked on the machine until I got it going. My supervisor, he took the chewing for me. Now, that isn't to say that he didn't give me a pep talk of his own, but it was much better than the plant managers. That day, I was glad to be under my supervisor. Listen, folks. Maybe we don't like the idea of being a servant, but come judgment day, someone's going to have to take the punishment. Either you or Jesus. Now, He willingly laid down His life for you, whether you claim it or not. He paid the ransom so that you can go free. If you want to take the eternal, eternal punishment yourself, then go ahead and preach about yourself. For the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And we preach that Jesus is Lord and we are His servants. Don't preach about yourselves. Way number three, to shine the light in the darkness is never give up. Never give up. We believe in God, so we speak His good news. We know that God who has raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. All of this for your benefit. As, and as God, God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul talks a lot about life being a race. It's a race that a runner runs. and In our life, we want to finish the race. You know, we have a lot of runners in our congregation. My, my son-in-law, Sam, he runs a lot. and I don't even know why he's not in school or anything, but he's... Uh, he's got little little kids and, or a little kid and another one on the way. And, but he runs to keep himself he- healthy and to make sure he's the fastest there is. The other day he was running and there was a snake on the road and he didn't know it until he got close and it was a copperhead and it struck at him and just narrowly missed his leg. That would have been a bad deal. Heart rate, pumping like it is when you're running really fast to get that venom injected into him. But you know, you know what he did about it? I haven't heard the full story, but I'm sure that he didn't keep looking back while he was running at the snake that just about bit him. No, he probably kept his eyes focused on the end of his run. And he probably couldn't see it at that point. There was probably a hill or two or five or ten between the place that he was and his home where he would end his run. But he knew that the end where he was safe, the glorious beginning of the rest of his day, was there. He couldn't see it. This verse tells us that we fix our gaze on things we cannot see because they will last forever. All David experienced a lot of dark times. A lot of strikes by the enemy. Paul experienced a lot of dark times. He said, keep your eyes on the finish. We experience 
dark times. Right now for us here today, these dark times may not be nearly as bad as what David or Paul experienced. But one thing is for sure. We must have faith in the Lord like David and Paul did so that we can say the same thing that Paul wrote. We are pressed on every side by troubles. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? Speak to Him. And speak the good news to the world. Bring the light to the darkness. Now when David, he was in the back of that, of that cave, just waiting, he said, Please, Lord, Save me. The rest of that story is is that King Saul came into that cave and it turns out Saul didn't even know that David was there. Scripture says he came into the cave to relieve himself. He had to use the restroom right there in the cave, right there where David was. And David's buddies are saying, go ahead, take out Saul. This is your chance. And David says, Saul is the Lord's anointing. The Lord chose him. It's not my job to take him out. God hasn't told me to take out King Saul, so I won't do it. So David snuck up on him. And you can definitely see God's hand in here giving salvation to David as David takes his knife out and cuts the corner of Saul's robe off. Saul doesn't even know it. And he leaves the cave and David comes out a, a, a little ways after Saul. He says, hey, Saul, holds up his corner of his robe that he just cut off. And Saul says, oh, no, oh, no. Look at what's happened. You're a better man than me, David, because I would have taken your life and you have spared mine. You know, there's a lot of things darkening the mouth of the cave here lately. And what we have to do is to speak to the Lord and what He do what He tells us to do. For starters, let's reject shameful deeds and underhanded methods. Let's don't preach about ourselves, but preach about Jesus and my fellow Christian. Never give up. Jesus didn't give up on you. Don't give up on Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for the Word that You've recorded for us, for the life of David, for that time in the cave, God, when 
David was vulnerable and he cried out to you and you changed the situation around, Lord, so that so that the enemy, King Saul, was the one who was vulnerable. You gave David the upper hand, Lord. Lord, we know that you have all the power and all the might and all the glory and it's yours, Lord. I want to be your servants. I want to serve you and do your will. Lord, I pray now that you would change the situation inside of our hearts so that we would put our faith in our trust in you, God, in this dark world. Let that shine a light to others around us, God, so that they may see our integrity, our honesty, our love of everything that is true, that is of you. Help us to be your church, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.